0: Hello, 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 and welcome, everybody, to this Wednesday edition of The Logan Blackman Show. Before we get into the main talking points of today's show, make sure you're following The Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram. Go like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and, of course, since you're listening to it right now, make sure you are subscribed or following the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts, and make sure on Apple Podcasts to give it a rating out of five stars, I would greatly appreciate it. And the social media accounts are as follows. Twitter is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's account is the Logan Blackman Show One. Facebook page is search Logan Blackman Show. And same with the YouTube page and the Apple Podcast and Spotify accounts. Whew! Got all the big stuff out of the way. And now we get into the depressing part of the show. Yes, it is Wednesday, and we are just off of the Buffalo Bills. Losing at home against the New England Patriots yet again. A tale as old as time. Bill Belichick, Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady's not there anymore, but in the tale, Tom Brady is there. Tom Brady, for those of you who don't know, I love this stat. It's one of my favorite stats throughout the history of the NFL. Tom Brady, in his time with New England, is 32-3 against the Buffalo Bills, 32-3. and three. And in his time there, I think he played 17 or 18 years in New England, 16 wins in the Bills' stadium. He's won there almost every year he's played there. And he only plays there once a year. And the more depressing fact about that statistic is the fact that the Bills just passed Tom Brady for most wins in the stadium by Bills' quarterback. Josh Allen got that against the Houston Texans earlier this year. Before that, it was 16 different quarterbacks that have tried and failed to win at what is now known as Highmark Stadium or New Era Field or Ralph Wilson Stadium or Rich Stadium or whatever you want to call it. It has not been a positive ground for Buffalo Bills fans, players, coaches, staff, whatever, against the Hood and Tom Brady, but now Tom Brady's gone. The evil witch is gone. Ding dong, the wicked witch is dead, as they say in the Wizard of Oz. And last year it was beautiful. Two wins, one at home stripping Cam Newton on like the 20-yard line, and the one, the second one, a debilitating 30-to-something win in Foxborough. That was oh, that was so beautiful to watch. Diggs and Josh Almer on another freaking level that day and in the route bill belichick's tenure in the nfl as a head coach there has been three or four quarterbacks that have beaten him three straight times it does not happen this dude has been a head coach since the early 90s this does not happen where quarterbacks are able to beat bill belichick three times in a or three times in a row it doesn't matter what year just three times in a row the only one that I could remember on that list was Vinny Testaverdi because he did it while he was on the Jets. Bill Belichick's old quarterback when he was with the Browns, Vinny Testaverdi obviously went with the Browns to Baltimore, didn't play there that often, or didn't play there that long, was cut later and signed with the New York Jets and had a pretty good year or career finishing out with the New York Jets and played for a couple other teams after that. But I mostly remember him as a New York Jets quarterback. But it's supposed to be the time. This is the Buffalo Bills' time. It's supposed to be the Bills' division. Everybody else is fighting for second best. That's what it was supposed to be. The Bills are coming off a 13-3 season. The Bills are fresh off making an appearance in the AFC Championship game and are a game away from the Super Bowl because, you know, that's how the AFC Championship game works. A game away. And now, the New England Patriots start of the season losing the Miami Dolphins and don't look amazing to start the year. They looked just all right to start the year. Like they didn't play well against the Saints, got blitzed by the Saints, lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks, lost to the Cowboys, struggled against the Houston Texans, beat up on the Jets, yeah, fair, whatever. So you start off the season two and five. Or two and four, sorry, I can count. Two and four to start the season. And then you rattle off these insane stretch of games. And at the beginning of the season, I remember sitting there, and it was on this show where I was like, yeah, I mean, Patriots looking good, but they're not playing anybody. They haven't beaten anybody worth no, They struggled against the Houston Texans. They lost to the Dolphins. This is not a team I'm really scared of at this point in time. And I remember as the season started, we joked about it, how they were the Patriots put the bills on notice making Mac Jones a starting quarterback, and you know how much I love Mac Jones. So you know how much it pains me for him to be the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. My least favorite team versus one of my favorite quarterbacks in last year's draft. It pains me to do that. But it didn't scare me. I was like, he's a rookie. They'll be fine. I mean, there's no signings. Apart from John U. Smith, that was the one signing that scared me. All the other signings they made were nothing that was striking fear into the heart of me at all. Stephon Gilmore's situation wasn't doing great at the time, and now he's playing in Carolina. Like what? Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith. Yeah, they're, they're fine tight ends. Oh, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. Uh, okay. Is this terrifying? Johnu Smith? Yeah, that's pretty scary. Bringing Kyle Van Noy back. Well, who cares? He sucked while he was down in the Dolphins. He got cut by Miami. Like, he was supposed to be one of their best players on defense. They got freaking cut. Not one thing. They got Trent Brown back. Like, nothing they did was that terrifying apart from they got the exact clone of tom brady and mac jones we said that prior to the draft starting about i'm not saying he is tom brady but everything this dude has done in college and has done and what he looks like he's going to do at the combine which wasn't a thing but his workouts and stuff he looks like tom brady He's not the most athletic quarterback out there. He doesn't have the strongest arm out there. But he's probably the smartest person on the field. He looks nice and approachable on the, on the outside. But if you get him on the field, he can be kind of a dickhead. And that's what you want. Competitive son of a bitch. That's what you need. Quick feet. He's not the fastest, but he's got quick feet. He's got really nice pocket awareness. Looks slower than us running up the field. Mac Jones, I still don't know if he's able to slide or not. He had that problem in Alabama. I don't know what the issue was with that. But at the beginning of the season, it did not scare me. A rookie quarterback going into a season with Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar out wide. What was supposed to be terrifying about that? And then start off the season and watch them struggle with a Texans team that the Bills just blitzed by 40 points. They beat them 25-22. to Now I was supposed to be scared of that. You know, as a you, you get these aspirations once you start getting... You've been bad for so long that when you've got that taste of that you've won the division, it starts becoming an expectation. And now the Patriots, who were the bullies for these past 20-odd years, now they're second best, competing for second best with the Dolphins. And now you've got this whole aura around you that there <laughs> is the Patriots. What? I'm not scared of... That. Forgetting what happened in previous years. And then watching them against the Texans. Watching them get blown out by the Saints. There's nothing in there that scared me. And then you saw the Jets game. It's like, okay. You beat the Jets fine. But putting 54 points up in the NFL, regardless of the team, is not an easy task. It's a relatively hard task. So It's the NFL. These are the best. The best. You put 54 on an, an another NFL team. And then they beat the Chargers in Los Angeles, which is what Bill Belichick does. Bill Belichick, I don't think, has ever lost to the Chargers. Doesn't matter who's the quarterback. He just cannot lose to the Chargers. They cannot beat the Patriots. And they lost some very crucial games against Bill Belichick and Brady while they were in Foxborough together throughout the history of the Chargers. Ladanian Tomlinson, 14-2, 2006 MVP, losing in the divisional round. Number one overall seed in the NFL. I think 11 Pro Bowlers, which is ridiculous, LT 31 touchdowns in a season, that's crazy. And they lost the Patriots. Like, they had the best team in the league and they still lost to them. And this is when the Chargers were supposed to be, we thought the Chargers were going to be good and they did not play very well against the Patriots. And they beat the Panthers. Like well, Okay, that's the Panthers. So you, after that game, you're looking at it like, okay, you haven't really beaten anybody still. I mean, the Jets, Texans, Jets, you, you beat the Chargers fair, and then the Panthers. We have a good pass defense, but without Chris McCaffrey, they're pretty much handicapped on offense. And then you got the Browns, the injured Browns. They blitzed them 45-7. to And then they beat the Falcons 25-0, and they beat the Titans 36-13. You're going, shit, this team looks pretty good. Now, the Titans were battling injuries the entire time. Every single key player on their offense was out. Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, all out. That's no excuse for getting beat that bad in the NFL, though. I'm not making excuses for the Titans. I hate the Titans, so I'm not... I don't want to defend the Titans at all. Patriots killed them. uh, The freaking Falcons played three quarterbacks. Two of them threw picks on back-to-back throws. Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks. And then the Bills who are supposed to be the top dogs of the AFC East now, remember that. They lost to the Jaguars. It's a Bills team that lost to the Colts 41-15 at home. Like, this was supposed to be the team, and the Patriots are struggling against the Texans. What the hell is going on? And then you get to this game. Biggest game of the year. And it was all all we talked about. was like, the Patriots, the only reason they're in first place in this division is because the Bills... Have had their by the Patriots have it. Things will rectify themselves once it's done. It's Buffalo quote unquote weather, according to the draft prospect or the draft experts or whatever. When Josh Allen was getting drafted, this is exactly why they drafted him. The thing that scared me going into this game was the weather. And it wasn't for the reasons that, like, oh, the Bills can't throw the ball. No, I had no worries about the Bills throwing the ball. Josh Allen has the strongest arm in the NFL. So, I really had no worries about him cutting the ball through the wind. It was the comparisons in the run games that I was worried about. The Bills run game, the past two years, has sucked. It was an area of concern going into the season for all fans out there. And then what did they do to rectify the run problems they had going into the season? Got Matt Breida? Okay, fine. You drafted... Two off the linemen, both tackles. One's barely ever dressed. And the other one was supposed to be a developmental piece. Why didn't you draft, you know, interior linemen? I know that John Feliciano was a big uh, culture piece for the Buffalo Bills. And that him and Josh Allen were incredibly close. So I was perfectly fine with the Bills drafting. uh, Or not drafting guards. Because it was like, oh, man, they got these guys right here. Like John Feliciano, the only part I was scared about... Cody Ford versus Ike Butker. And John Feliciano is nothing spectacular. He's an all right guard, but he's never really was a starter before he came to Buffalo. Cody Ford should never start or play really for the Buffalo Bills ever again, but they don't have the depth. So he keeps getting back in the lineup. Ike Butker, Iowa dude, love him. Played at Iowa from Cedar Falls. Like that's who you, you, you want to cheer for him, but just, the old line sucks. He didn't draft an explosive running back like I was. my dad and I were wanting Travis Etienne. That was the guy. And then the Jaguars took him a few picks before the Bills did. Now the Bills, I'm perfectly fine with them addressing the edge rush. The edge rush on their defense was getting old. The older players, they were struggling getting after the quarterback. That's what was their big problem going into the season. One of their other problems. For a team that went 13-3, there was a quite a few problems that needed to be addressed. So they got the the edge rusher. Fine. Look towards a running back or an interior lineman in the second round. Go after another edge rusher and Bohe Basham, who I think has dressed three or four games this season out of the possible what twelve they have played. He's dressed three or four times. He's inactive for unknown reasons the entire season. And the part that really sucks about that, he was drafted two picks. Before Creed Humphrey, who is, for those of you who don't know, the chief starting center and who is probably, you can make an argument for him being the best rookie in the NFL right now. And they passed on him. Like, I remember talking about before the season started, Mitch Morse is one of the best pass-blocking centers in the NFL. He might be the worst run-blocking center in the NFL. Deion Dawkins has regressed incredibly Ike Bucker, still not a starter. Cody Ford, not a starter. Darrell Williams, not a right tackle anymore. His best position is guarding, even he's not playing that well. You can make a solid argument the Bill's best old lineman this year has been Spencer Brown. At least most impactful, because when he's not there, you have to start Cody Ford. And you drafted Boogie Basham, and he doesn't even play. And you have two picks later, you have Creed Humphrey. Who, if the... The rookie of the year went to a lineman, which it never does. He's right there. He just didn't he said screw it. We're gonna double down on this whole idea that we're just gonna go edge rushers only, and then draft a develop Ben alignment in the second round or the third round, who is now the most impactful lineman the Bills have. And the run game sucks. Apart from Josh Allen breaking off something. And it's some sort of grace of God that Josh Allen's been able to stiff arm defensive tackles the way he does, because that run game doesn't exist. And the Patriots, throughout their history, with Bill Belichick, they have run the ball, and they never really have a big face as the main guy at running back. Like I can remember, like Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, Lawrence Maroney. Right now, you got Damien Harris. You had Rex Burkhead before. James White, he's hurt, but James White, Ramondre Stevenson, Garrett Blunt, like you have all these guys that are nothing spectacular, but they platoon their running backs like freaking crazy, and they're all fresh. And the Patriots, they went into this game knowing, hey, the weather gets bad, we can run the ball. Our O-line is stronger than their D-line. The Bills' interior D-line Ed Oliver has played awesome this year. I've never really been a huge fan of Star. It needs improved. Their rush defense has been surprisingly good this year, as opposed to last year where it wasn't very good at all, where the Bills just couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't run it in general anyways. And the Bills go into this game with the wind like it was, the, rain, the snow as it was, knowing we can't run it. Patriots, we can run it. And it wasn't like the Patriots ran the ball a lot. They ran it 46 times, had 222 yards. Apart from one giant run by Damian Harris, who had a 64-yard gain, they didn't really gash them. It was slow and methodical drives, but you knew they couldn't stop it. It was nothing amazing. And Bill Belichick, before the game started, having, had a Navy face mask on. I didn't know that was a sign of things to come. I'm not surprised it ended the way it did, where the Patriots ran the shit out of the ball. Matt Jones from Alabama, or Jacksonville, played at Alabama, never saw snow before until like 2015, according to, according to Twitter. Like, he's not throwing the ball. <laughs> he threw it three times, and one of the catches was to John Smith, who made a miracle catch. Like, this wasn't another domination as what most media members would like you to believe it was. The Patriots just slowly worked their way down the field because they know their line is better than the Bills' line. And then when the Bills got the ball, you have a 240, 250-pound quarterback that you don't run anymore. I don't know what the brain, the, process, the thought process is behind it. Because Josh is, I'm not saying is the best quarterback in the NFL. I would say he's the most unique quarterback in the NFL. With how big he is and how well he moves, I don't know if there's another quarterback in the NFL that like can stiff-arm D-Lineman. He did that on the last drive of the game to throw to Dawson Knox, which got broken up in the end zone. There's no other quarterback that can do that. Like, him and Lamar are two anomalies when you're looking at the quarterback position. They both are insane athletes for what they do, but can frustrate the hell out of you at times. And Josh, statistically, if you just looked at the stats, it's not, it wasn't a great performance. But you see some of the throws he made, and how many drops the Bills had in the game? It was pretty damn impressive. It wasn't a world-beating performance by any stretch of the imagination. He shouldn't have gone to Gabe Davis at the end of it. He should have gone to Cole Beasley, but you can see the thought process at least. Like you, you try so hard to run the ball. Why? You know you can't do it. Stop trying to force. I know, and I get this. I totally understand why they do it to a certain extent. Because it keeps the defense honest. Because when you're doing pass plays, the defense doesn't need to tackle all the time. When you're running, the defense has to tackle. They have to. So I understand it to a certain extent that way. But don't do it as much. They ran it 25 times. No one could get anything. Matt Breida fumbled within the 30-yard line. The Bills had 12 plays in the red zone and scored one touchdown. And that was just because Nikhil Harry was a punt returner for some reason. And we were watching it. My dad and I were watching it with a few friends last night. One of my friends from high school, big Patriots fan, T-Boy, we had him on the show back in February. He was over watching it. He was even confused when Nikhil Harry was back there, who has been just a a, a weird, weird player for the Patriots. First round draft pick, stone hands. I, I don't know what to make of Nikhil Harry at all. I was confused as hell, but ever thankful that he was back there. And then you're going into the wind, and you still bring out – Tyler Bass, who missed a field goal. He's one of the best kickers in the NFL. When you're down like that and you need points, I don't I don't want to put it up to chance like that. And that thing whipped right. Now if you score that, you can kick it again and miss it or make it, and then you, you win the game that way 16 to 14. And you have decks. The Patriots weren't gonna throw the ball. If you scored, the game was over because the Patriots were not gonna move the ball down the field throwing it. But, man, just a frustrating game. And the weird part is, this is how what I'm talking about when I say Josh Allen is as amazing as he is athletically because the Bills don't rank that high in regards to the sack marks this year. But their O-line is atrocious. you got to watch one minute of Bills football to go, that O-line stinks. And Josh Allen's, like, second least sacked quarterback in the NFL or something. That shows you sacks aren't everything because Josh is stiff-arming people. He's moving around in the pocket. Like he's doing everything he can to keep the play alive. And sometimes, can it be frustrating? Yes, it can. When he refuses to throw the ball out of bounds, yes. And he takes a 30-yard sack or throws it at the feet of the, a defender behind the line of scrimmage gets called for intentional grounding. Yes, extremely frustrating. But there's no other quarterback that does that in the NFL. I'd say the same thing about Lamar Jackson. No one can turn a negative play into a 30-yard game running the ball like Lamar Jackson can. Both in the same draft class. Both have their ups and their downs. But both are insane quarterbacks. And I don't like the Lamar Jackson slander, but I also don't like when Booger said he was the LeBron James of the NFL. Because he ain't that. He ain't LeBron James of the NFL. Amazing quarterback, amazing player. From all accounts, an amazing person. But... He, he's not the best quarterback in the NFL. He's not even the best player. Not the, not the best player, not even the best quarterback. I had that flipped around. But good lord. Frustrating game, that one. Frustrating. That's the, the key word I would use for that. Because it wasn't even like the Patriots beat the crap out of it. They didn't. You look at the total yards in the game, they're pretty similar. It's not like the Patriots outgained them by 500 yards. Like, when you watch Navy football, they're out gaining people like crazy. Total yards. The Bills only had 11 y- less yards of offense. And they had more chances to win the game than the Patriots did. You talk, I'm talking about the play down to Stephon Diggs on the sideline when it hit his arm in the end zone. And people trying to make that sound like it's Josh Allen's fault. What? <laughs> they hit him in the arm. And we're talking about that's Josh Allen's fault. Okay, are you the same people that said he was a bust when he got drafted? Are you the same people that said that? I think that's the only reason you said that. (laughs) Oh, man. It wasn't like a complete annihilation of anything. Like, Patriots controlled the time of possession, barely. But for how much they ran it, they really didn't control the time of possession. Like, they had five more minutes of ball than the Bills did. Which isn't a whole lot. Like, a lot of people out there make it sound like the Patriots just annihilated the Bills. They ran the ball just methodical. That's all they were. They had a 64-yard run. That was really it. Like, people are trying to give too much credit about this game. I don't think the Bills played that bad, really, given the circumstances. But they obviously didn't play great. There's a lot of things that they need to fix. And the problem is, we're at this point in the season... That we're at the point in the beginning of the season where they're struggling, like a game of the Steelers. We got to improve. We got to improve. We know we're a better team than this. This is what they are. Every single game this year, they have, like, if you're talking about one score games, they're one in four. They've won one one score game this season. Or I know they haven't. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs> they lost the one in four games, or one score games. They're one in four against teams with a winning record. That's the one I meant to say. 1-4 against teams currently owning a winning record. The Chiefs, it was the only win. Lost to the Steelers, Titans, Colts, and Patriots. Then we obviously know the infamous game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where they lost 9-6 to six in one of the ugliest games I've ever watched. And then the Colts game existed. Like, that game, the Bills got utterly dominated. Like, Jonathan Taylor had over 200 yards himself. <laughs> that's domination. But that's exactly how I thought the game would go. Pretty much. I just thought the Bills would come out on the right side of it. You have a 250-pound quarterback that you don't run. You're forcing the run way too much without a line that can actually block. And then we're surprised that they lost 14-10 to against a team that runs the ball well. As a team. There's not one individual person that runs the ball extremely well for the Patriots. I know Damien Harris had over 100 yards, but again, he had a 64-yard yard, yard run in there. They had their chances. Shot themselves in the foot too many times. I've never seen a team with so many stupid penalties at the most inopportune times this season than the Buffalo Bills. 3rd and 9 turns into a 3rd and 14 because Dawson Knox has a false start penalty. While they're the last drive of the game. The most inopportune time to have a false start penalty was then, and he got one. That's been the whole thing this year. And I'm not saying that's been the reason why they've lost these games, the stupid penalties. No, they played bad for most of these games. They sucked against the Jaguars. They sucked against the Colts. They sucked against the Steelers. The only thing is, they didn't suck suck Monday. I don't think they sucked Monday, given the circumstances, the weather and everything. Yeah, this is back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back games they have won and lost. They beat the Chiefs, lost the Titans. Beat the Dolphins, lost the Jaguars. Beat the Jets lost the Colts, beat the Saints and lost to the Patriots. And now the Bills are going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there's a scenario that could play out where the Bills lose to the Patriots and Tom Brady on different teams on back-to-back weeks. And this game scares me more than the Patriots game because of the fact it's in Tampa. This is almost guaranteed to have nice weather. I am terrified for this game, because of the fact Tradavius White is out. And the fact that the Patriots and Leonard Fournette have been playing really, really, or the Buccaneers and Leonard Fournette have been playing well. Leonard Fournette's been balling out in the past game even. Like, I don't know what's going on. He had four touchdowns against the Colts two weeks ago. This is Leonard Fournette. This is not a, a fantastic running back. This is an average NFL running back that's just really big. And I'm scared. The only saving grace here is that Antonio Brown's not going to play. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace versus Mike Evans and Chris Godwin's enough for me. And now, now we got to throw in Chris uh, Rob Gronkowski. Don't need that. Pass catching Leonard Fournette, a really good offensive line, a solid defense. I'm nervous, and I'm afraid the Bills go six and seven or seven and six. And we're talking about the possibility of this team not even being a playoff team. Forget Super Bowl, they might not even be a playoff team if they lose next week. And then you've got a game against the Panthers, which if they lose that game, yeah, then I don't care if they make the playoffs. If you can't beat the Panthers, then you don't deserve to be a playoff team. And then you finish the season with the Patriots and Falcons and then Jets. So you've got winnable games in there. You can finish with 10 wins relatively easily. That should be the minimum, 10 wins. You should definitely beat the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. Those are three wins that should be knocked easy wins. Bucks and Patriots, different story. I mean, they blitzed the Patriots last year in New England. Maybe they can do it again. I would doubt it. And knowing Brady's history against the Buffalo Bills, I would doubt that this game's going to be a very nice one for the Bills. Just, uh, just a gut feeling anyways. Could be wrong. Hope I'm wrong. I mean, there's been a couple games this year the Bucks haven't looked that great either i.e. the game against the frickin' t- uh, Washington football team a few weeks ago. And it looked great that game. You know, the Bucks are on a... Or the Washington football team are on a weird run right now. Where again, they've won back-to-back games by a score of 17-15, which I didn't know was possible until the <laughs> Washington football team did it. Oh, man. That Bills game is just frustrating. That's just the word you could think of when you watch that Bills game. The team's just frustrating... There's so many things they should have done this offseason that they just didn't do. They don't look in sync of the, the coaching staff doesn't look like they're all together. Like it looks like a clashing of heads in regards to which plays get called between Sean McDermott and Brian Dable. Who Brian Dable orchestrated one of the best offenses in NFL history last year, to now they're struggling to score points against the Jaguars. Like, that's the level we're at right now. They would have blitzed the Jaguars last year if they played them. It wouldn't have even been close. I'm talking about with the current, like, obviously the Jaguars won one game last year, so you would fully expect them to kill the Jaguars, but they had one win when they played them this year, and they lost to them, so you never know. Uh, but yeah, you got to beat the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. You cannot lose those games. And th- there was a team last year, the freaking Dolphins. They missed the playoffs winning 10 games. I wouldn't put that out of the question this year with how many teams have similar records. The top of the AFC. Every team's got four losses. Patriots have four losses. Ravens, Titans, Chiefs, eight and four, and then the Patriots nine and four. Then you got the Bills at seven and five. Bengals seven and five. Colts seven and six. Chargers seven and five. Then we got the Dolphins six and seven. Steelers six, five-and-one, Browns six and six. Raiders and Broncos at six and six as well. Because now we're we're entering the the mid-season collapse of the Las Vegas Raiders. Where they get... That's the weird time. We can't score points against, unless it's against the Cowboys for some reason and can't stop anybody. Apart from the Cowboys game, which was an anomaly, they haven't scored above 16 points in the last five weeks. <laughs> Mid-season collapse here is incoming for the, pay, the Raiders. Then they got the Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers. Yeah, they get, I could honestly, with the way they've been playing, finish the season out 6-10 and 10, or 6-11, and 11, whatever that would be now with the 17-game season. There's some tough teams. The Broncos are weird. I don't know what to make of the Denver Broncos at all. But this season in the NFL is just really weird. It's a weird one. Like, there's not a front runner for the MVP. Like, Josh, yeah, he's leading the AFC in Pro Bowl votes for quarterbacks. I don't think he should be MVP. Like, we said Jonathan Taylor a few weeks ago should be MVP, and I stand by that. Dude scored a touchdown 10 straight games. Like, LaDainian Tomlinson holds the record at 18, which is Insane, which shows how insane LaDainian Tomlinson was, which I get a little frustrated when people don't talk about LaDainian Tomlinson as much as they should. The dude is third all-time in touchdowns. Second all-time in rushing touchdowns. Had an MVP season where he scored 31 total touchdowns in the season, which even in 17-game season, 17 game season won't get touched. He went over a 1,000 plays consecutively. Or what was the record? It was some ridiculous stat where he's gone... Like, three years or something without fumbling. That is an insane stat. And people just don't talk about him as much. And it pisses me off. And Jonathan Taylor's having one of those seasons right now. He is the Indianapolis Colts. And I would do anything for the Bills to trade for Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) It would cost an arm and a leg. But, man, do it. That's why I want the Bills to draft Brees Hall. I would love the Bills to draft Brees Hall. Get an offensive lineman in the first round. Brees Hall second. Get a corner in the third and another lineman in the fourth. D or O lineman. I don't care. Because this draft, as opposed to recent years, I guess, isn't as deep. It's still going to be a nice draft, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's a lot of very, very talented defenders in this year's class. Namely, like likes of Kayvon Thibodeau, who just announced he's going to the draft. One of the least surprising notifications I've ever got in my entire life, that Kayvon Thibodeau is officially going to the NFL draft. And Aiden Hutchinson, who the other day was just announced as a Heisman finalist, which is, you know, expected at this point. And we have four Heisman finalists. I don't remember if we talked about this the other day, about the Heisman finalists, but three of them I thought were guaranteed. Hutchinson, Stroud, Bryce Young. I think those three were easily going. The third, the last one, like Kenneth Walker was definitely in it, and then he had the game against Ohio State. And you can't have those types of games if you're the he- you want to be a Heisman candidate, you can't do that. It's not possible. <laughs> and that threw him completely out of the race. And then the last person on here ended up being Kenny Pickett, which isn't surprising by any stretch of the imagination at all. He'll probably come last, but it's not surprising that he made this list. Because I think he should be ranked higher. I'm not saying he should win it. I don't think he should win it. I don't think he will. But being in the a- a- ACC... He's not going to win it, as opposed to team people from the Big Ten and the Big the SEC, the two best conferences in college football. And Bryce Young, after the game against Georgia, the number one ranked team in the nation at the time, the team that was supposed to be unbeatable, and Alabama had zero shot going into the game. Remember, Alabama had no shot, and that now we're we're pissed off that Alabama is number one because they beat you know the team that was unbeatable and the team that everybody said Alabama would lose to, and then Alabama wouldn't make the playoff. That now we're mad at Bama for being number one. But Bryce Young will, will win the Heisman. I would be pretty surprised. After that performance, I would be pretty shocked if he didn't. We waited for a Heisman moment. That was it. The comeback against Auburn was nice. Didn't play great the entire game, but came back when it mattered, which is what you need, a quarterback to play great late. It's not like Tim Tebow you're asked the entire game and then play good in the fourth quarter. No, Bryce Young wasn't asked in the game. Just didn't play his best level of football that we know Bryce Young could play at which is what we've been saying for the past year <laughs> about how dominant Bryce Young is and how well he could, how good he could be and that he's the most talented quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. And I said that last year. I said at the beginning of the season. and I stand by that saying now. We've been telling you about Bryce Young and this is him. And I'm cheering for him to win the Heisman. And I know people are like, you're cheering for Bama. We brought this up Monday. You're really cheering for Bama? No, I'm not cheering for Bama. It just doesn't bother me if they win or not doesn't hurt my feelings if Alabama wins. I don't get frustrated if Alabama wins. And I love Bryce Young. So I'll be perfectly fine cheering for Bryce Young and Bryce Young alone. But if I had to predict the Heisman like, rankings, how it'll finish, it kind of reminds me to a certain extent of when Joe Burrow was in it. Because the only reason it compares at all to this, it's not that one person's dominant. Because Joe Burrow had the largest percentage of votes in Heisman Trophy history. It's not that level. Bryce Young will not run away with this thing. But you got three quarterbacks in the D-end. One quarterback's coming in last, even though he has really nice numbers. Kenny Pickett, baller this year for Pitt. Aiden Hutchinson, sadly, will probably come third. Stroud will probably come second. That's what I, my like initial reaction is. But after watching what Aiden Hutchinson did to C.J. Stroud at Ohio State or against Ohio State at Michigan, Hutchinson should come second. And he really has a shot of winning this thing. If I made my predictions for how this thing will go... I think it'll go Str- or, uh, Bryce Young, Hutchinson, Stroud, Pickett. I think that's how it will go. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how I think it will go down. I wouldn't be too shocked if Kenny Pickett passed C.J. Stroud. But I think it's more likely he comes in last. Just because the conference will come into play in that. Because then you got, well, he won this conference. He has more touchdowns, has more yards. Stroud lost to Michigan, lost to Oregon, but Pickett lost to Western Michigan. So it's kind of like up and down with that. I think Hutchinson, if we had to be 100% on this, because I know I said that it kind of compares to that, but the quarterbacks are not at that level. This, we're talking about for this draft class, or this Heisman class. Like, I would bet that Hutchinson comes second. And it's close. I would give Stroud or Young probably 51% of the vote. I bet that's how will finish. So Young will get 51% of the vote, and then we'll follow by Hutchinson, Stroud, and then Pickett. Again, I would like to stress, this is not saying that that is 100% right, or that's 100% going to happen, or that should happen. That's just how I think it will go down. Regardless of what I think, because my opinion doesn't really matter on on the fact, on matter on this, because <laughs> I'm not voting. If I did vote for the Heisman, I'd probably flip Pickett and Stroud. But I think it'll still go Young, Hutchinson, P- uh, Stroud, Pickett. That's how I think it will go. But I'd vote Young, Hutchinson, Pickett, Stroud. Is that cool? Is that a cool <laughs> Heisman thing? Or are we going to get all butt hurt because Alabama won it again? Which Alabama, quarterbacks don't win Heismans at Bama. I don't know how many have ever done it before at Alabama. I don't think there's any. I can think of the running backs. Quarterbacks, I think Mark Ingram... Weirdly enough, for how dominant Alabama has been throughout their history, I think Mark Inger might have been their first ever Heisman winner. I think. I'm not confident in saying that, so don't quote me on that. <laughs> this just popped in my head right now. We said it last year, said at the start of the season, and I stand by it now. Bryce Young is the most talented quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. And now he has the opportunity to become the best he's ever coached. And he's coached some pretty good quarterbacks. Go some very good. We're talking about strictly college level. Okay? Ignore the NFL stuff because sometimes when people talk about quarterbacks, they go, well, they weren't very good in the pro, so that means they weren't a good quarterback. No, in college, they had some very, very good quarterback. AJ McCarron, very, very good quarterback at Alabama. Very good quarterback at Alabama. People don't talk about how dominant he was at Alabama. Like people talk about how, oh, their defense was so AJ McCarron was a beast. Don't let people discredit AJ McCarron. Jamarcus Russell wasn't number 1 overall draft pick for nothing. He had talent. He's just uber lazy. Ate a lot of food. We're discrediting. We're taking out the NFL stuff again. Remember, just strictly college. Like even Blake Sims was an all-right quarterback. Tua, Jalen Hurts. Good quarterbacks. John uh John no, uh, what was it? Yeah, John Parker Wilson. The first quarterback that won a Natty. Greg McElroy that's a very good quarterbacks at Alabama and LSU. I don't remember any at Michigan state. Sorry about that. <laughs> I can't think of any Michigan state quarterbacks off the top of my head. Bryce Young's the best. I did, Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been saying he's the most talented. Now I think he's the best. Because there's a opposed trophy that he is going to receive. And I don't know when the trophy ceremony is. Now I will say this. I will not be upset if Aiden Hutchinson wins it. I'll be perfectly fine with that as well. I'm not going to be I'm not necessarily cheering for Bryce Young to win it, but I think it'd be really cool if he did because that vindicate what we've been saying about him for the past year. Aiden Hutchinson I think deserves it a lot. We talked about it last week before the SEC Championship game that Aiden Hutchinson probably should deserve the Heisman trophy. But with Stroud dominating the way he did in the SEC Championship game against the number 1 defense of the nation that again, everybody saw was unbeatable, Again, a team that was gonna crush Alabama. Again, the team that was gonna kick Bam out of the playoff. Throws for three touchdowns, rushes for another one. <laughs> oh man, that dude's a baller. I don't even care. But Pickett deserves it. Pickett after the the game against Wake Forest this weekend, <laughs> the fake slide, and had they had to come back from 14 to 21 down in the first quarter to win forty five to twenty one. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive stuff from Kenny Pickett. That dude's a baller. I I give Kenny Pickett all the credit in the world. But man, Heisman's fun. Heisman's very fun. I don't know if there's a lot of people that would have said Aiden Hutchinson would be in it, or definitely not Kenny Pickett be in this conversation, but I think people would have said Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. I think that was pretty easy, pretty self-explanatory at the start of the year. At the beginning of the season, we had Stroud at one, and Stroud at three, I believe. Or do we have – no, we had Rattler once, Young two, Stroud three. I think that's what we had at the beginning of the year. So this isn't surprising, apart from the idiots that bashed him after weeks one, two, and three, which were really awesome. I really enjoyed those guys. And as a Heisman finalist, because, yeah, he has great wide receivers. Need someone to get them the ball. Do you think they'd be this good if Spencer Peters was playing quarterback for them? Do you think if C.J. Stroud, if they swap places, would Petrus be a Heisman finalist? No, he would not. <laughs> Stop being stupid. Yes, you can have great wide receivers, but you need a good quarterback to get them the ball, and C.J. Stroud is a very good quarterback. Like Bryce Young has insane weapons outside, too. John Mechie and Jamison Williams, beasts out wide. Like, you're going to have... Well, I don't know about Mechie anymore, because like we said on Monday, towards ACL against Georgia, which is really sad because... That dude's one of the hardest-working wide receivers in college football. I love watching John Mechie play. But before that, because I, I think it's probably out of the question now. I could be wrong, but I think it probably is. There, out of those two, they could have four first-round wide receivers taken. Like, that's insane. Out of those two schools, two of the Heisman quarterbacks, four first-round draft picks, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave at Ohio State, Jamison Williams, John Mechie at Alabama. Jackson Smith and Jigba will probably be a first rounder next year. CJ Stroud will probably be back here again. Maybe John Mechie comes back. Who knows? Alabama's got young wide receivers waiting in the wings that will be really good, probably. <laughs> That's just what Alabama does. And you got a stud quarterback playing for you. And speaking of quarterbacks, stud quarterbacks, or once stud quarterbacks in Ohio State, I saw today that Quinn Ewers, the favorite, is. Texas and that Texas A&M is pretty much out of the question which is not that surprising to me Texas A&M being out of the question I we said for the resources A&M would probably be the best but they're probably going to be the hardest team to break into because Texas being as bad as they are last year even though Casey Thompson Hudson Card were not terrible they weren't great and uh crap I forgot <laughs> yours being a Texas kid could be big but again I stand by it I want him to go to Ole Miss. I want him to play under Lane Kiffin. I want him to follow Matt Corral. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. A just an insane partnership. Insane partnership. Goodness gracious, that would be awesome. <laughs> be, I'd be for that 10 times over. And I, I don't even really care that much about Quinn Ewers, but just the fact that he is the, number, the highest ever rated high school quarterback ever, it makes him an intriguing talking point on where he's going to play. Because, good Lord, this dude doesn't pan out. It's going to be talked about even more than what it is. And he'll be the horror story for high school quarterbacks. And they'll go, well, you don't want to get quarterbacks from Texas. I mean, look at this guy. Because we people do that. <laughs> Remember Joe Burrow? Man, would you draft Joe Burrow? Or no, it was Justin Fields this year. Joe Burrow to a certain extent. But Justin Fields, what well, Ohio State quarterback's been good in the NFL? But I don't think that has anything to do with Justin Fields. Like, I could name marcus russell as lsu's and uh top two bust in nfl history i wouldn't draft joe burrow i won't do that by that logic you wouldn't draft any quarterback <laughs> unless you're only strictly drafting oklahoma quarterbacks or now usc quarterbacks because lincoln riley wherever he goes you draft his quarterback and you'll be pretty fine as he's got three starters currently in the nfl <laughs> I mean, Alabama does too, but Alabama historically has not really sent a lot of great quarterbacks to the NFL apart from Joe Namath and Bart Starr, but those were eons ago. The next great one after that was Brody Croyle. (laughs) It's not, but that's the first name that popped my head for some reason after those guys. What other Alabama quarterbacks made the NFL? Like A.J. McCarron, obviously. Greg McElroy was in the NFL for a tiny bit. Now he's broadcasting. Was there any quarterbacks like the 90s or something that went in that I just can't think of? Because Joe Namath and Bart Starr, are the 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 two you think about, because they won three of the first three Super Bowls, so you talk about those guys. Are there any what, what are Alabama quarterbacks? Are there? Now I'm just rolling through my Rolodex in my head, trying to think of Alabama quarterbacks in the NFL that were before right now. Hmm. I don't know. I really can't think of one. That's kind of sad. <laughs> that's that's kind of not ideal is what we would call that but yeah while we're on the topic of quarterbacks and college quarterbacks we've got our final final regular season. C- oh, i guess it's the final one post bowl games quarterback prospect rankings okay we got bowl games starting up we had conference championships end on saturday we got bowl games kicking off here in a couple weeks or in a week when are the, when's the first bowl game start I guess I don't really know this. When did the fir- When is the first bowl game? So we got Army-Navy this Saturday, which is going to be fantastic. December 17th is when the first bowl game starts. Middle Tennessee and Toledo and the Northern Illinois Coastal Carolina. Those are our first bowl games on the 17th. But we got Army-Navy this week, which is going to be awesome. Can't wait to watch that one. But we got bowl games to figure out. So this is the last one for this time period. We're going to do a full prospect rankings thing in a little bit, so don't worry about that. We'll get more of this stuff out there. But we got to talk about this last quarterbacks thing. And number one, it flipped back and forth in my head for a while. I moved Kenny Pickett to number one. I did it. I actually did it. I think that if we're just talking, I, it's, re, it's not like there's a really definitive thing that I'm like, this is what Kenny Pickett does a thousand times better than Matt Corral. Cause, uh, spoiler, Matt Corral's number two. I just think looking at Pickett's season as a whole, and I understand Pickett plays in the ACC. We talked about that earlier. I understand he doesn't not as he doesn't have the rushing numbers of Corral. Like Corral's put up some gaudy numbers, like three thousand yards passing, five hundred rushing yards, twenty passing touchdowns, eleven rushing. Tu- I think it's eleven rushing touchdowns, right? Yeah, eleven rushing touchdowns. But Kenny Pickett, like, set every single ACC passing record broke Dan Marino's passing records, won a conference championship in a league that was run by Clemson. It was supposed to be North Carolina Clemson this year. That did not pan out. Pitt beat both of them. So I had to move Kenny Pickett up to number one. And then I feel kind of bad doing that because of the fact Matt Corral didn't play. So he doesn't have a a chance to defend his spot. But I think Kenny Pickett, he has double the touchdowns Matt Corral does. He had that really nice 58-yard touchdown run against Wake Forest. That's not the thing that boosted him up. But he did have a very nice game against Wake Forest on Saturday. I just think that, I, I don't know. It's just hard to explain because they're both really, really good. The numbers aren't the same. That's the little things. Like, I don't know. It's very, very cut and dry on who you would want at number one. It doesn't bother me which one you have at one. You would give the edge to Corral in certain things. Probably give the edge to Pickett in other things. I'm gonna give the edge to Pickett for this one. And again, this list's flexible. This list is very, very flexible. It's not like this thing is staying nailed on until the draft. This is not how we're looking at it the entire time. Cause Matt Corral played tough this year. He played injured this year. He's an extremely tough dude. Great leader, strong arm, mobile. Kenny Pickett, the only thing that he doesn't have there, he didn't play hurt. They're about the same if you're talking about prospects, but I, if you did a full prospect ranking of the quarterbacks and you did every single prospect in the draft, they would be right next to each other in the rankings. They're not like spread out a lot. There is nothing between them. I need to tr- go over some draft rankings again because I haven't done that in a little bit and just type it up and just get a rough estimate for me. It's one spot. There's not multiple spots in between. It's picket and right after Corral. It's fluid. It's not like it's nailed on forever, but Corral is number two, Picket number one. Number three, Malik Willis keeps a spot. I think Malik Willis, if we're talking about overall skill sets, again, I think I've, I sound like a broken record when talking about Malik Willis, but this dude can do things that no one else can do in the draft. This year was not his best. If we're talking about statistics, most of his numbers compared to last year are better, most of them. But there are games that he had this year that he did not have last year where it was like he's trying to do too much. The games against Louisiana, the games against Ole Miss, the games against Middle Tennessee State, the game against Army, like all these games, he's trying to do too much. And he doesn't need to. He just needs to take a deep breath and go, we're fine. Because then he starts forcing things. I don't think he – if he doesn't do that, he might be the best quarterback in this draft class. He just forces things a little too much. I think he'll be a first-round draft pick still, but it ain't going to be top 10. I would be kind of surprised if every, if any quarterback was taking the top 10 at this point. They'd all be kind of picked in the same area if none of them got picked in the top 10. I don't think they'd fall past 20, but there, I don't know if there'll be any taken in the top 10. At least that's what the rumor is right now. It, that thing could change. It's just a rumor. We're uh, four months away from the draft, so... It really doesn't mean anything about the rumors happening right now because things could change like that. It's not going to be sealed shut on that. Number four is Carson Strong. And then here we got four is Carson Strong, five is Desmond Ritter, six is Sam Howell. I think when you're looking at the top three, I think they're in their own category, and I'd put these these next three in their own category. These six I would put as first-round quarterbacks. Like you would grade them out as first-round quarterbacks. Does that mean all of them will get taken in the first round? No. But they could all get taken in the first round, and I would not be shocked by any stretch of the imagination. Carson Strong and Ritter, I think, have the, the smallest margin for the in-between. Like, you could flip them back and forth. Same thing with Pick and Corral. Out of these three, because Corral, um, Ritter, is a whole hell of a lot more mobile. I didn't even how is a whole hell of a lot more mobile than Carson Strong. But I think where Carson Strong edges the pair in that, is that he is a precision, precise passer. This dude will tear you apart, and he's, not, he's unapologetic about it, too. This dude will rip you apart. He is the best deep ball thrower in the draft, and Malik Willis has a stronger arm. Yes, deep ball thrower. Like Malik Willis will overthrow. I don't think Carson Strong's has ever overthrown anybody's life. He has left lapses, like against, uh, who was it, San Jose State, I believe. He threw it a quadruple coverage, which is not great, trying to force a ball in there. Ironically, his last name's strong. He has a really strong arm, so he tries to overcompensate for it and try to zip it in for holes. Like, dude, Josh Allen had that problem too, which is why some of his accuracy mechanics have also been fixed as well. But some of Josh Allen's accuracy problems when he was early in the league was that, I've got a really strong arm. I can fit it in every single hole possible. Carson Strong isn't like that per se, but he does do that from time to time, and it can get him in trouble. But this dude, precise. Precise. He's not that mobile. He's not, like, insanely immobile to the fact where it's a concern. Like, his numbers aren't amazing. Like, negative 208 yards. It's not insane for rushing numbers. But he doesn't run that often. Like, Bryce Young is a really good runner. He just doesn't run that often. Like, what are Bryce Young's rushing numbers? They're nothing spectacular. Hold on. I gotta pull this up because he does not run that often for how good of an at. He has 31 rushing yards this year with three touchdowns. Bryce Young is a whole hell of a lot better runner than 31 yards rushing. I'll tell you that right now. This dude can run a lot more than that. And he just chooses not to. I'm not saying that Carson Strong and Bryce Young are the same quarterback and that Bro- Carson Strong just chooses not to run. He's not as mobile as him. But he's not as immobile as say JT Daniels or something. He's not that bad, but the numbers don't look great. They don't look great for that. But for Ritter, I loved what Ritter did this year. Out of any every quarterback in the draft class, apart from the big risers of Pickett and Corral, I think Ritter was the most impressive in the fact that he came into the season with the most question marks around his ability as a passer. No one questioned his ability as a runner. That was already nailed on. We knew he was a really nice runner. The consistency passing the ball is what we needed. And Ritter, there was a lot less, not a lot of less, but they were throwing a lot more, which was very awesome to see. And he was really accurate with the football this year. 30 touchdowns, 8 interceptions this year, big-time games this year. And if he does well in the College World Playoff against Alabama, which he definitely could, he will jump Carson Strong. I I have no issues in doing that. Like, Desmond Ritter is a baller. We said that going into the season. Hell, he was the number four quarterback on my list preseason. He was his as highest as three at one point. Like, this dude can ball. I'm not taking anything away from Carp being number five. So don't look at this ranking to go, wow, he doesn't like Desmond No, Desmore is a baller. Okay? And his ability as a passer improved so much this year. That was why the big reason why Cincinnati's in the playoff for the first in the first place. Because of his improvements as a passer. If you had Desmond Ritter from two years ago, they ain't going undefeated. Well, hell, they didn't go undefeated. But this dude's improved so much that I would not be... Like, I looked at Mel Kuyper's thing today. Mel Kuyper had a number two. I That does not bother me at all. Desmond Ritter being the second-best quarterback listed in this draft class is not surprising, and it does not bother me whatsoever. And we talked about that preseason. I just happen to think that people above him are just more consistent passers. It's nothing, anything ridiculous, and I think the thing between Carson Strong and Desmond Ritter are just the rushing numbers. That's what is a big, like, big, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Big variable between them? Carson Strong just doesn't run. It's kind of hard to do that, but if Ritter balls out against Bama, he'll move up. Now, Carson Strong's playing Western Michigan, who's not a pushover by any means, but it's not Alabama, but if Desmond Ritter has a great game, even if they lose, if, as long as they don't get blown out, <laughs> I think Desmond Ritter really could move up next. Which, again, this is what I love about the list. It's fluid. This thing ain't this ain't nailed on forever. This thing's going to move a lot towards the draft. Number six, Sam Howell. I mean, he didn't play. I think Howell's safe at six. He's been at six since week eight. So I don't think he's really moving anytime. We're at week 14 right now. He's found his home at six. I think he could definitely move up. I guess numbers compared to Ritter's aren't entirely different. He has less touchdowns, uh, more interceptions, more rushing yards, though, and more rushing touchdowns. We're talking about total touchdowns? Are they What are they at? 34. Okay, they're, Hal has two less total touchdowns than Ritter. But Hal has been asked, I would say, to do more than Ritter has because Hal lost everybody going into the draft. And came in a North Carolina team that was kind of lacking in identity and had to run a lot more than what he needed to. Or what, what not what he needed to, but ran a lot more than what was expected. We said before the season started, this dude's an underrated athlete. I did not think in a million years he'd rush for 825 yards. That was not something that was on my radar. <laughs> I did not think that, but not the greatest statistical season from Hal compared to his previous two years. But like Hal, same thing with Corral. Strong arm, tough dude, plays hurt, doesn't care, will run, do whatever it takes to get his team a win. I like that about Howell. I like that about Howell. But out of the, all the teams in college football in North Carolina were one of the biggest disappointments this year. And they were preseason ranked 10th. They finished 6-6. They're the Dukes-Mayo Bowl against South Carolina. I don't think that was their preseason goals at all. But I think Howell is probably safe at 6. and will probably end this process at number 6. Probably. But again, it's fluctuates. It's it's can move a lot. Number seven, Hendon Hooker. And you're not really a lot to talk about. He finished the season with two reg- reg- relatively easy games against South Alabama and Vanderbilt. Finished the year 26 touchdown, three picks. Ever since he took over as Tennessee starting quarterback, offense went on another level. They sucked at the start of the season. Their offense was dead. <laughs> you could fall asleep in Neyland Stadium and no one would bat an eye at it. And Like yeah, that's pretty normal here. And then he took over, and it was a whole lot more fun to watch. And he he's been at number seven since week eleven. Like he's he's pretty safe there. Number eight, Dorian Thompson Robinson. They're playing in the NC. So we'll go over bowl games, I guess, at the end of this because I kind of forgot to do that for the rest of them. Uh, nice year, much like DTR. Uh, Desmond Ritter, improved passer. We already knew what he could do as a runner. Improved passer. Got UCLA to eight and four. First winning season of his career at UCLA. First win against USC where he threw for four touchdowns or something like that. Threw three against Cal. He had a a very, very nice year. He had a very nice year. Uh, Number nine, Bailey Zappi. Uh, Four touchdowns again. Not really surprising. And with that game, though they lost close one in one of the interceptions, so he threw two picks. One of them, a play later, UTSA scored on. Bailey Zappi is four touchdowns away and 280 yards away from breaking the all-time passing record in the season and passing touchdowns in the season. So he's got one game to do it. In the past, however many games, I think since October 23rd is what I have written down, since October 23rd, he's never passed for less than four touchdowns. So I think four touchdowns is very easy to get for Bailey happy. Now, it is against a decent... Appalachian State team, an Appalachian State team that does not give up a lot of yards through the air and has more interceptions than touchdowns, I would say the 280 yards, that's easy. He'll have the record for all-time passing yards this season. He'll break B.J. Simon's record. That's, that's in the past. And he's held that record since like 3 or something, like, but that number, record's gone. Bailey Zappi is easily thrown for 280 yards. That's not a problem. The four touchdowns is the part that I'm concerned about. Joe Burrow threw for 60 when he won the Heisman. Zappy's at 56. Through four t- four touchdowns against UTSA, can he throw four or five against Appalachian State with over 300 yards? It's 300 yards, five touchdowns. Is that possible, Rim? Yeah, but it'll be tough. It will be tough. But I'm I'm not gonna rule it out of the possibility on that happening. And then number 10, Sam Hartman. They just got beat up. I mean, he had three total touchdowns in the game. All of them came in the first quarter. And then after that, he threw four interceptions. And they got sacked five times. Like, dude got beat up in this game against Pitt. <laughs> and, yeah, dropped 10. He's put together a very nice statistical season. Almost 4,000 yards, 36 touchdowns, 14 picks, 342 yards rushing, and 11 touchdowns. Like, good numbers. But this last part, portion of the season, he's not played his best. He's had three games in these last five games, I think, where he's completed about 40% of his passes. It's not ideal. And throwing four interceptions in the biggest game of the season, getting blown out, 45-21, to 21, that's not good, especially when you're up 21-14 to 14 at the end of the first. That's not ideal. But he still keeps a spot in the top ten. And then for the others, no one else, apart from Dustin Crum, that was always in the others category, was in a conference championship this week. Dustin Crum didn't play great. They got blown out by Northern Illinois. Uh, 11 for 21, 128 yards, one touchdown, two picks, 68 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. Not insane or not great. And he get blown out 41 to 23. Not ideal. But he'll still keep his spot on the others list. We got Brendan Armstrong still on arm here. Akil Glass is still still on here. We got Jake Hayner on here and Devin Leary. But you could also throw on Malik Cunningham, who I think's been awesome on the ground this year for Louisville. Like the dude has 18 rushing touchdowns this year. 18. As a quarterback. Now, is he the greatest passer in college football? No but he's a more than capable passer. Like, these are no issues with him throwing the football, really. But I think, I didn't put him on here, but I think you could definitely list him on here. Now, if you, like, looked at Mel Kuyper's list, he had Skylar Thompson on here, which I was kind of confused, could like, weirded out about. Like, Carson, Skylar Thompson... He's not really had to do a lot this year. Their running game has been, at least, uh, if I remember correctly, I might be getting them and TCU confused. Hold on. No, I had him right. Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn. I was, the purple and silver thing throws me off, or at least it did there. It usually doesn't. I don't know why I said that, like it always happens. It usually doesn't happen there. He hasn't had to do a lot. He's completed a high number of his passes this year. He's completed about 70% of his passes, but nine touchdowns, four picks, less than 2,000 yards passing. I, yeah, I don't know if he's in top my top 10 at all or anywhere near it. He's never passed for over 12 touchdowns in a season. His best year was 2019, 12 touchdowns, 5 picks. Like, Kenny Pickett threw for more touchdowns this year than Skylar Thompson has in an entire Kansas State career, and he has 5 seasons at Kansas State. 39 touchdowns. Kenny Pickett is 42 this year. So do I have him in this list at all? No. I, I didn't even consider it. I kind of forgot Tyler Thompson existed until I saw Mel Kuyper's list. But, yeah, I, is there anybody else that I'm really missing out on that I should probably mention? I'm going to go to, like, just scroll through the schedule of college football and see if I have anybody that pops in my head when I'm scrolling through. So Blake Cunningham's the only one on here that I was like, I might throw him on here. I just need to look up the stats again so I can have that and throw it on here. Since it's. The last week of the regular season, I think we should have, or uh, yeah, regular season. Right before the bowl games, I should probably list all the quarterbacks that I really like on here. Will Levis has had a nice season for Kentucky. They are really predicated on the ground, but he has better numbers than Skylar Thompson. Uh, Grace McCall's hurt. He's not going to come out this year anyways. He'll be one of the better quarterbacks next year. Brock Purdy finished the year better, but no, he's not on this list at all. (laughs) <laughs> J.T. Daniels, no, <laughs> Bo Nix, no. Bo Nix has a broken ankle, so that's kind of unfair to say Bo Nix. But he was not, he wasn't on here before he broke his ankle, anyways. Uh, Tanner McKee, I remember when people had him as like the number two quarterback in this class or number three. They've lost every game since they beat Oregon. Like that is <laughs> ridiculous, and he's not played that great at all. It's not been anything like atrocious, but they've been blown out a lot since that Oregon game so yeah he ain't nowhere near this list anymore he once was and not anymore not anymore Spencer Sanders I guess you could kind of talk about him for it Anthony Brown I'm just naming senior quarterbacks At this point I'm not even naming quarterbacks that I think should actually be on this list Tanner Morgan no I'm joking I'm only joking it's Phil oh Phil Yurkovic for uh Boston College He's definitely one that could be mentioned on here. He broke his hand early in the season. He hasn't played great since he's come back, but I think he's still, his talent's up there. I th- he'll come out next year. He'll be one of the better quarterbacks for next year's draft. And then, is that pretty much it? I'm scrolling through the rest of these teams here, I'm trying to find somebody that would stand out to me. Van Dyke for Miami. He's a quarterback that you should want to watch. Uh, Mario Cristobal called him one of the best quarterbacks in college football, or the best. I don't know if I agree with that, but he's a, he's going to be exciting to watch. He's a good quarterback, but I don't know if he's, if he's the best at this point in time. Uh, anyone else that we got on here? Jeez, I'm scrolling. There's a lot of quarterbacks on here. A lot of teams on. Here. Jane Daniels, uh, that one kind of fell off towards the end of the year. I, I haven't really mentioned. He finished with 10 touchdowns, 9 picks. He'll come back next year. He announced earlier the other day that he was coming back to Arizona State. He should be one of the better quarterbacks for next year, too. We already talked about Will Levis and Malik Cunningham. Chase Garbers, I mean, he's not a bad quarterback. Chase Garbers is nothing terrible. He's just on a bad football team in, in, in the Cal Golden Bears. But if I had to rank like next year's quarterbacks for next year's draft class, at this point, I mean, it would be pretty hard not to race Bryce Young number one. I mean the dude's gonna win the Heisman Trophy so he kind of have to list Bryce Young at number one right at least you would think I guess you could make an argument for someone else like Grayson McCall will definitely be mentioned up there I'm not really concerned about Grayson McCall Phil Yurkovic we mentioned up there Jaden Daniels Spencer Rattler CJ Stroud will be mentioned up there Jake Hayner will probably come out next year who knows though But like there's a lot of good quarterbacks that could come out next year a lot of good quarterbacks like if I had to rank, so rank them officially, I would put Bryce Young one. I'm gonna give Spencer Rattler the benefit of the doubt and rank him two, because I think he'll ball. I think he'll have a good six good success wherever he goes. That, at least I would hope so, because he got too much talent. I, he could be kind of an he can be kind of an ass hat, but he's really talented. Number three, I'll probably throw Grayson Grayson McCall 4, Phil Jurkovic and then five Stroud. No, five, Stroud above Yerkovic. Maybe. Stroud and... Da- uh, no, I'd put Stroud above Daniels. Yeah, throw Stroud above Daniels. Because then you got a lot of other quarterbacks that can make it next year that are on this year's list that could stay till next year. Like Jake Hayner, someone who could stay till next year. Hendon Hooker could stay. But most of these quarterbacks in this list are... They, they ain't staying. <laughs> they, they're going to the NFL. They ain't sticking around. I'd be pretty surprised they stay around. We could have a decent number of quarterbacks taken. I think we had... Ten, eight or ten quarterbacks taken last year? We had five in the first round. No, we had ten because we had five in the first round, three in between the second and third round, and then Ian Book and Sam Ellinger finished out the draft. So we had ten. We could easily have ten this year. No, not five in the first round, but you could easily have ten this year. I think if we had to do grades on them, again, the top six, you could give all first round grades. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Do I think all of them will be drafted first round? No. I think the top three are almost guaranteed to get drafted first round, almost, almost, because there's always a chance they're not. And then I would put Carson Strong as that second for either late second, early or late first, early second. Desmond Rear on the same thing. Sam Howell second round, and then Hennon Hooker probably dropped down to like the fourth. Dorian times Robinson will probably drop to the. Uh, I don't know it'll it'll you'll it'll figure itself out it'll figure itself out once we get going I need to sit down and actually do this so I can figure out my actual grades on people for where I think they'll finish in the draft it's stuff like that so yeah I think that's all I've got for you today if not I'll try to remember it later we're not going to do a show for Friday because I will be gone I am going to the Iowa State basketball game so I will not be in attendance for Friday's show, unfortunately but it'll be, fun. I'm going to have fun. It's my first ever, which is weird. I've never ever been to an Iowa basketball game or Iowa state. Never. So when I say I've never been the biggest Iowa basketball fan, I've never been to a game. Not one. I've been in numerous straight games, numerous I games. I have never been to an Iowa basketball game because I remember growing up, they were not good. First of all, they would, and then they always play on some weird Tuesday nights. I'm not we're not driving an hour and a half east, driving an hour and a half back, and then waking up and go to school the next day. That was not really happening. And Carver is not known for its atmosphere in regards to the basketball arena. Like for the basketball team. Wrestling, yeah, but it's wrestling in Iowa. <laughs> we're, we're the best for the re for a reason. But I've never been to Hilton. I'm really excited to go to Hilton. It's sold out, which will be really fun to see. It's at 8 p.m. on ESPN 2. So if you want to watch it and want to see me possibly on the TV, we're up in the we're up in the nosebleeds, so we probably won't see us on TV, but maybe. Maybe they do the fam- famous people cam and go like, oh, there's Logan Blackman host of the Logan Blackman show. But I'm excited. I'm really excited. Iowa just lost the other day to Illinois, and Iowa State's ranked at the top twenty five. So Iowa State's pretty they're they're pretty good. For winning two games last year, Otzelberger has done wonders there. And it's about time that he became the head coach at Iowa State. It's it's been a little bit since you. This has been a rumor that's been happening for a while, and now he's the head coach, and now they're playing very very well. So yeah, that's all I've got for you. But we'll go over some scores, I guess, or the games for the weekend, real quick, just so week because we're not going to be here on Friday. So we've got Thursday night football: Vikings, Steelers. Vikings are without Dalvin Cook and probably without Adam Thielen, so that'll be kind of a mess. Then we got the Giants, Chargers on Sunday, Bills-Bucks is the late game on CBS, so 325 for that one, we got Ravens-Browns, Jaguars-Titans, Raiders-Chiefs, Saints-Jets, Cowboys and Washington football team, Falcons-Panthers, Seahawks-Texans, Lions-Broncos, ers Bengals, Bears-Packers, Sunday night football, yuck, and Rams-Cardinals is Monday night football, the Cardinals again, the first team to win 10 games this year. I don't know how many people predicted that at the beginning of the season, but I was not one of them. So I will not stand there and say I was the smartest person ever and say I, <laughs> the Cardinals would be good. I thought it would be fine. We had them with a winning record. I didn't have them winning, being the first team to 10 wins, though. Definitely didn't have that. I hate that they keep throwing the Bears-Packers on Sunday Night Football. I hate that. Hopefully Justin Fields back so we don't need to watch Andy Dalton play again because that was brutal last week, throwing four interceptions against the Cardinals. Yeah, there's some fun games. Bills Bucks, I'm nervous for because again, the reasons I said before, sun, nice weather, no Trey White, good Bucks, rusty Bills team or bad Bills team right now. Yeah, I'm not really thrilled about this Bucks game. Lose to Tom Brady and the Bucks and then Tom Brady back-to-back weeks. Not what I'm really looking forward to. It's not something I really uh in- highly anticipating. I'm not really something I really want. And then Saturday, we've got Army Navy, the greatest game in college football. Love watching this game. If you've never watched Army-Navy, you need to. My family's all in the Army, but I've always loved watching Navy football. It is something that I always liked doing growing up. They had a quarterback when I was a kid. It was Kapaya Noah Kahanuianata, I think was his name. I'll have to go back to, like, 2006 or something, whenever he was the quarterback there, go to their stats and try to read his name out. Hold on. Okay, here we go. Kapaya Noah Kahanuianata. kahiku I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I couldn't remember how to pronounce his name when I was a kid. Then they had Ricky Dobbs right after that. Ricky Dobbs was a baller for Navy. And then we obviously had Keenan Reynolds later in the year. Chris Proctor was supposed to be pretty decent. Wasn't that great. Keenan Reynolds, obviously a freaking baller for Navy. Put them really... I don't know, not really on the map, because they were on the map before, but Keenan Reynolds was a freaking baller. But man, they, they had some really nice quarterbacks. Really nice quarterbacks coming through Navy. And now they're kind of just all right. Malcolm Perry was really good at Navy. They're not great. They're 3-8. and eight. Army, is the, the roles are completely flipped. When I was a kid, Army never beat Navy. Army cr- got crapped on by Navy every year. Army, at that time... The quarterback I remember the most was Trent Steelman, and the one time they were actually close to beating Navy, he either fumbled or pitched it, and the running back fumbled while they were on, like, the five-yard line. They were going to win the game. Fumble happened. Navy recovered. Navy wins. Like, it was intense. This game is an enjoyable game to watch. I know it's triple option. A lot of people get kind of upset with triple option games. Triple option's awesome, so screw off if you don't like the triple option because these games can get really high-scoring. Like, they threw 30, 63 points on Bucknell. Army also put up a bunch of points against Wake Forest. They put 56 up on them and lost. But 56 points, pretty damn impressive. <laughs> put 31 on Liberty. Like, these teams can score. I fully expect Army to win They're six and a half, seven and a half point favorites. I, I would be shocked if they lost, but that's going to be fun. And I don't know when the Heisman Trophy ceremony is happening, but again, if you forgot, Young, Hudson, Stroud, Pickett. That's how I think it will finish up. And with that... I think that is it. I think that's all I've got for you. I'm going to go through pictures real quick to make sure I've covered everything that I needed to. And I think I did. I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. Pretty much all I wanted to cover. I got fantasy football playoffs this week. They start. I'm the number one overall seed in the playoffs. I'm 10-3. But it um, it's not ideal, really, being 10-3 and three and being the number one seed in the playoffs because Jonathan Taylor and the Colts are on a bye week which is, you know, ass. It's not ideal, especially since he scored a touchdown in 10 straight games. You know, not what we're really looking for. Devo Samuel might be out, which is not great. A.J. Brown is on IR. The Chargers have a crap ton of people on COVID reserve list, so that's not ideal either. So I'm relying on Najee Harris and Devontae Freeman, who scored a decent amount of points this year. So I'm not going to bash him on that, but Jonathan Taylor is, nice, is a nice player to have. In fantasy football. And I'm the one seed playing the eight seed. And I'm a two-point favorite. a yeah, two, one and a half, Two and a half point favorite, pretty much. I've won both matchups this game against him so far this season. Knock on wood. But I'm nervous. I'm very nervous. This is the first time I've been the number one seed in this league. And I'm on a like a nine-game win streak or something. Like, I started off one and three. And I've been on a nine-game win streak. Like My team's been on freaking fire. And I just don't want it to all blow up in my face. I really don't need that. The 17 game season, I didn't like it at the start of the year. And now that I have Jonathan Taylor in the playoffs, I hate it even more. Now it bothers me more and I need Debo back. I would like at least Debo back. And I don't even know how much he'd even be able to go because he's hurt. He's not great. He's not great. He's he's got a, a hurt groin. So I'm not my my odds are not in my favor, but hopefully we pull it out. Hopefully, I'm praying. But that's all I've got for you today. Hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I can only apologize for you. Hopefully you enjoyed my tears about the Bills game. Hopefully they bounce back against the Buccaneers and I will see you guys on Monday, not Friday, Monday. See you then. Peace.